Welcome to the St. John's Hoxton podcast. We are a local church in East London, here to be a beacon of hope for Hoxton. And our mission is to worship God, make disciples, share Jesus and transform Hoxton. Good morning, everyone. Our reading today is taken from Philippians 2, verses 1 to 11. And this can be found on page 1179. Page 1179. Therefore, if there is any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and mercy, fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in loneliness of mind, let each esteem others be better than himself. Let each of you look out, not only for his own interest, but only for the interest of others. Let this mind be in which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bond servant and coming in the likeness of men. And being found in appearance as a man, He humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Therefore, God also has highlighted, exalted him, and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow, of those in heaven, and of those on earth, and of those under the earth, and that every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Hallelujah. This is the one of the Lord. Thanks so much, Olivet. Hallelujah. <laughs> I think I am on. Am I on? Oh, I am on. How exciting. Hi, everyone. Good morning. I'm Sarah. If you've not met before, um, I'm a licensed lay minister here. And um, I'm going to be continuing our uh, short sermon series that Graham started last week um, about our core values um, that are in our mission action plan. And those are rooted, relational, responsive, and risk-taking. They all begin with R because we're Anglican. We like to keep things neat and tidy. So these core values, they all help us to identify God's purpose for us as a church family. And Graham kicked us off last week and um, we looked at rooted. And we were thinking about how we need to be rooted in our setting, our story and our savior. And, and we talked about how we are rooted in a place here, St. John's Church in the Hoxton neighborhood. This is where we belong. This is the community that we serve. We're also rooted in our story. We read the Bible because we believe that it's been God-breathed. The Bible tells us what God has done in the past and what God is going to do in the future. And we need to know our story so well that we're confident in sharing it with others. And we also need to be rooted in our Savior, rooted in Jesus, staying connected to Jesus, abiding in Him, not cutting ourselves off from Him. Graham spoke last week about the vine. Jesus says that he is the vine and that we need to stay connected to the vine, connected to Jesus. Because when we stay connected to Jesus, we are then 
connected to one another because Jesus said, I am the vine and we, and we, you, us are the branches. So if we come disconnected from the vine, from Jesus, then we'll also become disconnected from one another. And part of being connected to the vine is being connected to one another, to our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. So this leads us really nicely onto our second core value that we're going to think about today, relational. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for this opportunity to uh, be in your presence with one another, to learn more of you, to focus on our core values as a church. And Lord, I ask that you take these words that I've prepared and speak through them, that we would have open hearts and open minds to learn more from you and to be more like you. In Jesus' name, amen. So last week, Graham used a gardening metaphor when he is a self-confessed rubbish gardener. <laughs> so this week, I'm going to use a metaphor that I feel personally that I actually know something about. And this is singing in a choir. Now, most of you will know, if you know me at all, that choirs are a passion of mine. I love to get people singing together, making music together. And when you sing in a choir, everyone needs to have the same goal. They need to have common purpose. Otherwise, it's just not going to work. Chaos will ensue. Imagine a choir who can't decide which song to sing. And so everyone just sings whatever song that they fancy regardless of what everyone else is singing. It's not going to work because choirs are about teamwork. They're about listening to one another, respecting one another, working together with common vision in order to make something beautiful, something powerful or moving. A choir is made up of lots of individual, unique voices coming together, finding unity as they sing together and as they spend time together rehearsing Working on a piece of music, they can start to add layers of complexity, harmonies, counter-melodies, which complement one another and make something wonderful. And I thought we'd just take a few minutes just to listen to a wonderful example of what that is. So you can not only imagine, but you can actually hear and see. So I'm going to just play a song. Bear with me. Enjoy it, I hope. This is a choir um, from Stellenbosch in South Africa singing a song called Baba Yetu, which is Swahili for our father. So this is the Lord's Prayer in Swahili. Hopefully. Thank you. 
for indulging me not that you had a choice <laughs> now of course I'm going to use this metaphor of a choir as uh, something to help us to think about church our church is made up of many unique wonderful individuals who are all different and we come together in unity of worship with a common purpose to worship God together and as we build relationships spending time with one another listening to one another on another, respecting one another's opinions, working together on common goals, something beautiful happens. We become a family, a gloriously diverse and beautiful family that shines Jesus's love out to the world. Do we succeed in doing this 100% of the time? No. Do we succeed some of the time? Yes, absolutely. It's one of the things I love most about this church is seeing people come together people from different backgrounds, cultures, ages, and becoming family. There aren't many other places in life where this happens. So here's what we wrote in our mission action plan about being relational. It says, we are committed to sharing life together with all its ups and downs, rejoicing together and weeping together. We want fun, food, and friendship to be hallmarks of our church, welcome and hospitality, a fundamental part of our approach to our corporate life. We're cautious about making any negative judgments about people and want to embrace the great diversity and variety of people in our neighborhood. We are determined to pay particular attention to the biblical justice issues of equality, diversity, and inclusion. We seek to remain a multi-generational, multi-ethnic, multicultural church family in which strangers become friends. It sounds great, doesn't it? But how do we achieve this? How do we ensure that this is how we are? If a visitor arrives at our church on any given Sunday, is this what they would see? So to help us think this through, back to the choir. So we're gonna think about three ways that will help us to be relational. Firstly, individually, bringing our unique solo voice. Two, coming together as one voice, singing in unison together. And three, coming together as many voices, singing in harmony, singing different parts, but having the same goal. So we're going to move from solo to unison to harmony. 
And we're going to use this passage that Olivet read uh, from Philippians to help us, particularly the first four or five verses. I'm just going to read them again. This is the New International Version, so the version that you have um, in your Bibles. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from His love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. Sounds quite hard. Be like-minded, being of one mind, no selfish ambition, valuing others above yourself, not looking to your own interests, but to the interests of others. I know I certainly don't succeed at all of those things all of the time, but don't worry. So we're going to start by thinking about the individual voice, the solo voice, unique and special. Now, I've done various um, of those different personality tests over the years, from Myers-Briggs to, I don't know, all sorts. And I never used to like them very much. In fact, I really, really hated them. I couldn't really explain why, until I did one called the Clifton Strengths Finder. And we've done it a couple of times here as a staff team. And it's a really useful tool when you're working as a team to know each other's strengths. So who's good at strategic thinking? Who's good at just getting things done? Who's good at communication? And who's good at building relationships? Now, I've done this twice, and each time my top strength is in the building relationships category, and it's called individualization. And no, I didn't know what it meant either, <laughs> even though it's my strength. So in, it, in the book, it says, individualization is when we notice and appreciate the unique differences of each individual person. We see what's special or different about them compared to someone else. We don't like broad generalizations when it comes to people. This helped me to understand why I hated personality tests so much. I didn't want to be put in a box or a category, and I didn't want to put others in one either because we're all different. Although I must admit that I have come to appreciate these different tests um, as a t valuable tool for learning about ourselves and being more self-aware. And I'm a big fan of the Enneagram, so if anyone wants to geek out with me afterwards about what number you are, happy to oblige. So people with individualization as a strength, maybe you, you, maybe you have that too, um, can act as a sort of casting director, if you like, seeing what individual people can bring and then bringing groups of people together that would complement one another. And I think this strength is also why I love one-to-ones so much. So you've probably heard me talk about these before, uh, but a one-to-one -one is a tool of community organizing, which we do quite a lot of here at St. John's, where two people, We'll get together and have an intentional conversation. So more than just a chat, uh, what did you do at the weekend? What's going on you know, at work? But going a bit deeper, finding out someone's story and sharing your story, finding out what God might be doing in their life and sharing what he's put on your heart. It's a wonderful tool to help us to build that relational culture that we want, that we've put as one of our core values as a church. You know, we've put in our core values that we want this church to be a place where strangers become friends. 
You have to listen to one another, get to know one another in order to do that. But maybe your strength isn't individualization. Maybe you're a bit shy, don't feel confident about initiating conversation with someone you don't know very well. Maybe you're just super busy and you don't think that you've got time for all this talking. And yeah, this might be a little bit harder for you, but you can still bring your unique voice to the table. And it doesn't mean that you don't do it. Just take it slow, one small step at a time. Have a chat with someone over coffee afterwards. Maybe speak to someone you don't know. Maybe find someone you met before and introduce them to someone else. Make a connection. Philippians, um, in this passage, in, in verse 5, it says that in our relationships with one another, we're to have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. And then we hear this wonderful poem which explains the whole of the gospel story, the whole story of what Jesus has done for us, the story of where our salvation comes from. So we have to have the same mindset as Jesus who did all these amazing things. He humbled himself. He was obedient. He gave up everything. He made himself nothing. And it's only by us becoming more like Jesus that we can ever value others above ourselves or put others' interests before our own because it doesn't come naturally to us. It's only by becoming more like Jesus that we can shrug off selfish ambition and become like-minded with others. And in order to become more like Jesus, we have to be in a relationship with him, an individual solo relationship with Jesus, knowing that he loves us unconditionally and that if we were the only human being in the whole planet, that he would still have died for us understanding that there's nothing that we can do or say or think that will make him love us any less. Knowing that the moment we ask for forgiveness, it's done, and that his grace and mercy are never ending. And if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, but you'd like to know more, please do speak with me or one of the other team afterwards, um, or join the Alpha course. It's a wonderful way to learn more about Jesus and what he's done and, and what Christianity means. So we've sang our solo. We've brought our individual unique voice to the church. We've gotten to know others um, in their individual unique voices. And we've got our individual unique relationship with Jesus Christ. So is that it? Is that all we need? Is that all the church needs? I don't think so. We have to bring our voices together and sing in unison. Unison is when lots of voices come together and sing the exact same thing. They are in unity, united as one with common purpose. Philippians says that we are to be like-minded, being one in spirit and of one mind. This isn't about soloists anymore. This is about many voices coming together and sounding as one. This is about us putting aside our differences in order to be united. Our relational goals, again, in our mission action plan, say we want to be committed to sharing life together. With all its ups and downs, we want to laugh and cry together. We want to be careful about making negative judgments about people, embracing the fact that we are all different, whilst at the same time not letting our differences become a barrier to unity and finding that common purpose. Now, I've got to be honest with you, the church, in general, the whole church, is not always very good at this. There's always something to disagree on. 
The theologian Tom Wright says this, not only are there big theological differences, smoldering resentments from historical events long ago, and radical variations in styles of worship, there are also personality cults, clashes over leadership style, arguments on issues of moral behavior, cultural politics, and so on and so on. How on earth are we as the church to come together in unity? There's inevitably going to be tension. Is Paul asking too much of us? How do we do it? I think the only way that we can do this is by making sure we all have the same focus, and that focus should be Jesus. We cannot be focused on ourselves and our needs, our opinions, the way we, thought we want things to be done. We're told to value others above ourselves, to have the same mindset as Christ. How do we make sure that we actually desire unity and we'd not really rather just hang out with all the people that agree with us? So verse 1 and 2 tells us that it's by remembering what we've already experienced as someone with a personal relationship with Jesus, as someone who's been part of a Christian community. It says, therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, has being in relationship with Jesus encouraged you? Has being part of a church or a Christian community taught you to have compassion for others, to have tenderness and empathy? Have you experienced love, support, comfort? from belonging to a church family? I really hope the answer is yes. I know it's yes for me. But at the same time, recognizing that many of us have been hurt by the church or by other Christians. Many times the church as a whole has failed at this and people have felt rejected when they should have felt loved. The only way for people to experience this support, this love and comfort is by being in relationship with others, with our brothers and sisters in Christ. And we know this helps to sustain us in our journey of faith, doesn't it? And that's why we put so much emphasis here at St. John's of being, being a part of a connect group or serving um, on a team in church so that we can get that comfort and that support and love that comes from being in relationship with other believers. You know, one of the main ways that God speaks to us is through other people. Other people in our Christian community of course, he speaks to us directly through prayer or through reading the Bible, but much of the time, we hear his voice through other people. So you're, if you're not in relationship with any other Christians, you're potentially missing out on God speaking to you through the obvious ways, maybe like sermons and talks or, or podcasts. But what about testimonies, stories, your story of how you came to know God and how he continues to work in your life is so, so powerful. And when we share it, God can speak to others through it. What about godly counsel? Have you ever asked advice um, or prayer from someone at church when you're maybe in a difficult situation or you need to make a decision? Or even just personal conversations, maybe in your connect group, sharing the ups and downs of life with one another, encouraging one another, and looking for God's voice, speaking to us through others in our church family. And when you know someone's story, it's so much easier to not make judgments about them. When you're in relationship with someone, it's much easier to achieve that unity that we want. But it takes humility to be open to learning from others. A big part of unity is humility. 
to appreciate that God might speak to you through someone that you disagree with or someone who annoys you or irritates you. Philippians says, in humility, value others above yourselves. But we also mustn't let unity become the final aim because if all we're focused on is unity and we forget about Jesus, the potential result is complete chaos. If all we want is unity with someone, we'll, we might keep constantly changing our minds so that we agree with that other person who then maybe changes their mind to agree with someone else and we start to go around in circles, changing our minds to be in line with whoever we happen to be with at that, that time. So let's not forget that unity is also possible amongst gangs of thieves. Um, it was possible amongst the Nazis. It's possible amongst white supremacists. The goal in itself is not unity. The goal is to have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, to be more like him, to be humble and obedient, and therefore valuing others' needs above your own. Unity will be a byproduct of this. So we've sang our solo, each of us bringing our own unique voices and getting to know others' unique voices. And we've sang in unison, each of us focusing on Jesus, valuing others um, above ourselves and letting God speak to us through others, remembering all that he's done from, for us. But now we're ready to move on to singing in harmony. Harmony is when lots of voices come together, they sing together, but instead of them singing the same exact thing, there are different parts, singing different harmonies that blend together and layer up to create something beautiful, like we heard the choir singing. Everyone's working together as a team with common purpose, valuing the importance of each, each different part plays in the overall goal. Does that remind you of anything? It reminds me of the body of Christ. And we read about it in 1 Corinthians 12. And I'm just going to read this passage to you. It's a little bit long, but if I don't see anything else, at least I've read the Bible. Unity and diversity in the body. Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body. So it is with Christ, for we are all baptized by one spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free. And we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Now, if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, these parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty. While our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ and each one of you is a part of it. And now it all starts to make sense. 
We all get to sing in the choir. We're all needed to sing our part. We want to be a church that embraces the great diversity and variety of people in our neighborhood. It says that we want to seek to remain a multi-generational, multi-ethnic, multicultural church family. Neither Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male or female, Scottish or English, Nigerian or Ghanaian, Middle Eastern or South American, high-paid job, unemployed. PhD, left school at 16. Baby boomer, Gen Z. Student, professional, left wing, right wing. Gay or straight, neurotypical or neurodiverse. Disabled or able-bodied. Short or tall. <laughs> Fit or flabby. On time for church, late for church. Loves Marmite, hates Marmite. It can work. <laughs> Do we have the humility to be in relationship with people who are so different from us? Do we embrace people into our church family who we might disagree with? People who we don't really understand. It's not easy. But I'm pretty confident that I don't want to be in a church family full of people that look like me. And I'm 100% confident that heaven won't like look, look like that either. We need to mix it up. We want harmonies. We want different groups of people singing different parts, different groups of voices taking the lead at different times, <clears throat> valuing each different part as more important than ours. If the sopranos are singing a really important section of the song and the altars are like, well, that's not fair. Why do they get all the attention? They're not more important to us, that we're better than them. So we're just gonna sing our bit really loud and we'll drown them out. That, that's not humility. This is hard work that we're doing here. It's not easy. And there is going to be tension, but we don't want to shy away from that. But it's not going to happen. It's not just going to happen all by itself. We need to be intentional about being relational. Because our natural tendency is to just form relationships with people who are similar to us. It is. A sim whether that's a similar age or stage of life, similar cultural background, similar life experiences. And that's not always bad, but it's not how it should only be. Why? Why do we do this? Genuinely, because of our own sin. We want to protect ourselves, protect our fragile egos from, by you know, surrounding ourselves with people who affirm who we are, who affirm our own image of ourselves. And our natural tendency is towards comfort and familiarity. So in order to build this relational culture that we've put in our mission action plan, this multi-generational, multicultural, multi-ethnic church, we have to be intentional spending time getting to know people in our church and, in, and out in our community who are different from ourselves. It's hard work, but hard work has value as we become this gloriously diverse and beautiful church family made up of unique and different individuals who come together in unity, focusing on Jesus, celebrating our differences, but humbly valuing others more highly than ourselves, so that we, all of us, as a body, can shine God's love out into our community, into the world around us. And people will start to ask, what's different about those people that go to St. John's Hoxton? And then 
there's opportunity. We get to share Jesus with them. And then they can come and bring their unique voice and add it to the choir. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for this vision that we have in Philippians and that we have in our mission action plan to be a relational church. But Lord, we can't do it on our own. We need you. Father God, we need you to help us to be humble, to help us to value one another above ourselves, to go out of our comfort zone in order to get to know someone who's different from us and to respect and value them just as much as someone similar to us. Lord, we have that desire, Lord, to be this place, this multicultural, multi-ethnic, multi-generational church. Lord, would you just touch each of our hearts now as we, with that desire, continue to speak to us through these words in Philippians so that we can have the same mindset as Jesus. Thanks for listening to the St. John's Hoxton podcast. New talks will be uploaded every week from all of our services. And do check out our website, stjohnshoxton.org.uk, for more information.